Hey folks, Nate here. You're listening to Critical Care, a show about games, community, and finding hope during the global pandemic. This is episode 3, featuring indie dev Marina Kataka, known for her work on Anodyne, Even the Ocean, Secret Agent, and Anodyne 2. Hi, I'm Marina Kitaka. I use she, her pronouns. There's some different aspects to what I do. The kind of uh, most widespread things are the projects that I've done with my friend Melos as Analgesic Productions. And so those are like Anodyne, Even the Ocean, and Anodyne 2. And then uh, we both kind of work on our own solo projects and I'm kind of an artist and writer outside of video games making things like comics and uh, doing some performance sometimes just like a hodgepodge of different other things um yeah wow that that's super cool I love I love the uh kind of how how varied and broad it is and and sort of your own continual real reevaluation of that uh, i find that really interesting yeah i definitely learned about you from from anodyne actually then stumbled onto some of your other projects which um, probably even stick out more in my mind now uh, which are are pretty cool which i'll uh i have some questions about that we can dive into later but before all that i i just kind of wanted to uh to check in like how how are you doing in in all of what's happening in the world right now kind of what's the the scene look like from where you're at yeah if that's something you're comfortable with sure um so i'm doing i'm doing all right uh my overall experience has been that like it's not drastically different for me um because uh first of all like i've been working from home for the past several months and so i'm just continuing to work from home and then also I'm like kind of introverted and so I can kind of social distance just in my regular life for chunks of time. Uh, but but it is a little bit different in the sense that like that is usually more dependent on my mood, whereas now it's like always or like you just have to <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do. I do kind of miss people, even though I tend towards even though it's kind of natural for me at times to to kind of be by myself for a while. I tend to be pretty pretty introverted and have kind of refined this whole social distancing thing well before it was was necessary, but mm-hmm. now that now that the idea of going out seems just completely irresponsible, um the it's it's knowing that I can't even if I wanted to that's almost more of a a mental strain than actually not being around people which is which is weird it's it's the idea of it's like i i want to i want to be able to even if i don't want to it's it's yeah. it's an odd odd sort of thing um so i'm sorry what were you what were you saying um i think yeah i think it's always changing every day kind of feels well i don't know like feels different in the sense that i think you know there's this initial wave of like everyone kind of like taking in the gravity of the situation and um this experience of like oh like oh we can't go out like i guess like 
a lot of people like thinking about old friends or like just friends in general who uh, maybe you don't normally reach out to and reaching out to them or just reaching out to people more frequently. Um, and so there was kind of like this first week where I was like talking to people all the time, uh, lots of like video calls and phone calls. Uh, and then I think like at this point it's like settled into a little bit of normalcy now and so people are like what what actually are we going to settle into maybe now we're just kind of feeling depressed rather than wanting to reach out to everyone uh that's been my experience Uh, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I think I'm still in, in the upward swing, but I'm, mm. I'm bracing for, for the point of, of falling off and realizing that, okay, I'm just gonna, instead of talking to people, I'm just gonna lay in my bed tonight. Um, and that's gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna socialize with my bed and, and call it quits. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's kind of nice, uh, that, that you're setting up, uh, critical care as a thing that you're kind of, in a sense, obligating yourself towards, which is a bit of an insulation, it might be, against that eventual downturn. Yeah, yeah, I definitely find that having having projects, doing stuff to, to keep me busy, at least, and I, I think a lot of people are finding this as well, as they're, they have more time just kind of with themselves, kind of starting on, on projects that maybe they were in that whenever I have time pile that that just sort of grows and grows kind of going down and actually working on stuff. So uh, yeah, this is still in its super early days and I, I'm not entirely sure what it'll evolve into, but I'm, I'm excited and hope that it'll, it'll be something. And if nothing else, I, I get to talk to a lot of cool people who've I've, whose work I've admired and haven't had really any excuse to, uh, to know other than that. So um, if nothing else, it's fun for me. So hopefully, it's it's good for other people. Uh, by the way, where are you? Uh, where are you calling from? I don't think I asked that. Yeah, so I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, cool. Yeah, just trying to. I've had talking to to people on online. I'm I'm quickly realizing that I I the sort of distance gets erased immediately, and I I'm continually uh interested in and where everyone's at because it seems like this is drastically different in different places yeah where are you oh i'm in uh tennessee so we're kind of we're still sort of insulated from a lot of it it's pretty rural here um but i did look up the number of cases that we had the other night just because i like to torture myself with statistics apparently and we're not not in uh in a great spot so far so we'll we'll see what this week looks like i'm mm. i'm i'm growing a little con more concerned than i was uh which is not great because it was already kind of on the uptick but that's fine i'm taking it one day at a time um and yeah trying trying to uh keep a positive mindset as as much as i can but uh uh that's that's enough about about me and, and my mental state i do want to dive in uh and kind of talk about uh more of of what you're actually working on i know probably the last big thing that you put out was anodyne 2 uh so i am curious kind of what your your current projects are if you if you have something that you're in a place to talk about now or just like what you're sort of working on i guess sure and I feel like this kind of gets into all of your later questions, but basically, like, 
Uh, I am working on another, like, uh, Melos and I are working on another Analgesic Productions game. So that's a new, uh, not yet announced, new IP. It's not Anodyne. And yeah, that basically over the past few weeks, I like haven't been working on that. And yeah, it's kind of been related to the pandemic and like this experience of this this is like a longer project. And so it's hard to think because like each week has felt so different. So it's For me, it's been really difficult to think, like, about this, like, big project that will come out in a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All, all deadlines seem really ambiguous at this point of how much is changing every day. Yeah, it's like, what, what will the world look like in a year? I don't know. So it's, like, hard to, like, just, like, go about a regular long-term project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so as far as that project, yeah, so it's like semi, I'm sure I'll get back to it and that I don't think it'll be like put on hold or drastically delayed. I mean, you know, we, you don't know anything. We'll see. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's like, essentially it's, I, I am pretty excited about it though. Like, I think it's interesting. It's a really uh, different direction in a way than a lot of our past projects it's going to have essentially it's going to be 3d platforming which we've kind of done but then it sort of has this rpg battle system where you're kind of like pokemon collecting monsters you're sort of a scientific researcher who's like creating a scanning connection with different like species in this cave system and instead of like uh, an rpg battle system there is a grid-based puzzle game so it's kind of new for us to design like a puzzle game and also like sort of an rpg that's not super actiony except for the platforming yeah this is this is hitting all of my boxes right now i am i am very much intrigued at, at whatever this <laughs> the secret project would be i love platforming i love collecting creatures and and having puzzles in there <laughs> all sounds all sounds fantastic uh so i'm i'm excited to see whenever that gets announced and and we know more about it when when uh release dates are less up in the air the state of the world is less <laughs> up in the air hopefully yeah uh once we once we know that video games will continue to exist in the future <laughs> so uh so yeah, uh, going back to, to Anodyne, um, I was really surprised when I uh, saw that Anodyne 2 was, was coming out and then came out. It kind of snuck up on me, it felt like, because that was kind of just a weird year, I think, mm -hmm. for a lot of people. But uh, I played the first Anodyne, I think back when it launched in 2013, oh, if I'm not... Oh, wow, yeah. If I'm not correct, yeah. And, and Anodyne 2 came out last year, which is a pretty significant span for for a sequel um especially for for an indie game felt like so i was uh really curious kind of what the what sort of the experience was um in that in that period i know you put out some smaller games and with your the development studio that you're part of put out even the ocean between there as well so there was stuff it wasn't like a continual process but I was very curious kind of what the experience was coming back to, to Anodyne after so long and, and how it was 
sort of following up on that and, and what maybe changed with all of the time in between? Yeah, I would say, so it is kind of a long time. It didn't feel that long. <laughs> um, I guess it went by kind of fast in some ways. Uh, yeah, on, I, I have to continue to remind myself it's 2020 every day, so <laughs> I, I, I don't blame you. It's only when I look at actual dates that I realize that time is moving. Yeah, but I think um, it's definitely... It, it would be a lot different if we were making more of a like direct sequel that like used sort of similar more similar mechanics or like a continuation of the story or something like that um i haven't gotten a chance to to play the sequel yet but even just what i've seen of people playing it it seems like a pretty pretty ambitious um departure in some ways from from the first game yeah, it's it's pretty it's like a sequel in a pretty loosely defined sense. There's definitely some connections, but it's mostly a connection of like themes and spirit sort of. And so, yeah, and so I think that is a really different experience. I think like if we had tried to make a game that was like strange maybe coming back to it uh as like older people with different experiences and different like of making games and just of life in general but because we were kind of like holding that sense of sequelness very loosely it felt very natural and really what what the first game was was so sort of kind of like loose in a sense or like not exactly improvisational but like it wasn't highly structured in terms of like our decision-making process and so it was kind of just this sense of like us uh throwing a bunch of ideas against the wall and so to make like another anodyne game like it's just like was very much like an experience of of being very loose again and like throwing a bunch of like our new ideas against the wall and so the result is that like it felt similar to make in certain ways and maybe like feels similar to play in certain ways, but it's like, it was really different and like tuned to how we were now versus then. Oh, that, that's really interesting and actually makes a lot of sense reflecting on the first game and what I've seen in the second that it, it does, there is kind of an overarching mood, I would say, to the game, but there are, it is very there are a lot of different pieces kind of interlocking in, in sometimes weird and interesting ways. Um, so I, I, I like the idea that it's almost like your, your test ground of, of trying out different ideas. And even if they don't all fit together perfectly, they have like this shared theme and, and sort of mood that, that goes along with them. Yeah. And I think it was, um, it definitely was different because it was like, the first game, we didn't know, like, we were just starting out in a sense. Like, we didn't know that um, we would necessarily have an audience or that, that we would be, like, professional game developers in some sense. It was, in my mind, it was very much like a hobby project with, you know, like, obviously we hoped that people would play it and stuff like that. But it, it definitely came with a different set of expectations and a different, like set of experience 
one one thing that like was pretty different between the first game and the second game was that like Melis and I had did not have like as developed like sort of understanding of ideology like our own ideology or mm. the capacity to like communicate with each other about like what we were sort of like thinking or like intending with certain things or like what was kind of affecting us and so that was different in the process and I think that comes out in the result of like how sort of like vague we are about things that's an interesting thing I think about the first anodyne is that a lot of the things that ended up vague uh, to the player were like also kind of vague to us like we didn't necessarily know what each other were thinking all the time <laughs> oh interesting yeah that that is very interesting that you kind of between the first and second game like further developed like kind of a vocabulary for for understanding what you were making that's i don't think i think it's often sort of assumed that like creators know exactly what they're making so it's always interesting hearing that like sometimes it's a surprise even to even to the people that are making it. I know that I've definitely had that experience with, with my own stuff. Just like I I had no idea what this was and then someone saw it and we're just like, oh that's that's not what I thought it was, but that's cool. Yeah, and so with the with the second game I think, like like we had a lot more discussions about like what we were saying versus what we were leaving open to interpretation like internally. So even though it's still like vague and on certain levels, it's like definitely like behind the scenes, we were more intentional about whether we wanted to be vague or not, whereas it just kind of happened in the first one. And there's a sort of like magic to that that I think certainly some people uh, react to or like gravitate towards as a quality of the first game was this sense of like, like its inability to even like articulate the things that it's maybe avoiding talking about just this sense of like uh like uneasy unclarity <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very not off-putting it's the wrong word but it has like an uneasy melancholy feel to to a lot of it i, I remember especially a, a sequence that still stands out to me um all these years later is there's like a point where you're exploring a town and then I think it goes to like black and white screens and it's just very ominous and odd and just it's it's hard as the player to make sense of it and then the game sort of also doesn't give you uh, a way to make sense of it and it just sort of lingers there in the background and I, and I found that very very striking and, and clearly it's still stuck in my head um, I haven't played that in in quite a while. But yeah, it, it the the tone of it is is very very interesting. Um, I am I'm curious if if you've seen in kind of the reception to the first game versus the second, if if that evolving understanding of your own communication about what you're making, if you've seen that reflected in how people reacted to the games. Like, is there has there been a a marked difference, or or is that more of a behind the scenes something that you you recognize, but maybe other people haven't noticed the same way 
Yeah, I'm not sure. There's always like a range of people who, well, I think, yeah, I think it is different in the sense that in the, for, for the first game, basically there's this distinction between kind of like everyone feels that it's vague and some people like that and some people don't. Whereas in the second game, some people think it's vague and some people think it's very huh. clear and like on the nose almost. <laughs> uh, so that is like kind of a, a distinction. I guess for for the second game, the way we structured it in our mind was that like there is a fairly like legible central storyline and some of the kind of the world behind that and some of the like individual like sort of uh side arcs are are can be like vaguer but the intention was that like there is a much clearer like central story arc but yeah i think depending on you know there there's all different kinds of things that affect sort of the legibility of a video game story i think like you know, if you like play it in sessions and if there's some time in between, then you can mm -hmm. kind of like forget some of the stuff that happened. Yeah, just like depending on how the like reading kind of goes, it's easy to just like miss a little thing here or there that then like can have a cascading effect. Yeah, that is interesting that there's there's now like a, a division between people that are like, I know exactly what this is about and other people are like, it's super ambiguous not that they're maybe actively fighting each other but it's it's interesting how how i i have seen that in in what i've seen sort of the coverage of of anodyne 2 i have seen some very explicit sort of interpretations which i found really interesting uh coming off the first game which was like you said more sort of vague in its, its approach uh one of your your other games that i think uh, I when I played it, I didn't realize that you had actually worked on Anodyne as well. Um, I played this, I think, a year or two after Anodyne. Uh, one of your games, Secrets mm -hmm. Agent. It's a kind of a, a small little <laughs> or like a micro game that you can play in your browser on on itch.io. I I replayed it for this, and I played it a few years ago, and I found it such a like a charming little intimate game. And a big part of that was because the whole game pretty much is uh has a, a commentary that's basically uh you speaking directly to to the player sort of guiding them through this this game and sort of the whole game is is more about the, the narration i think than the what the player is doing which which i really enjoyed and you and in the description of it, you talk a bit about and i guess in the game as well about voiceovers and audio being very intimate and direct um, which I think I would agree, but it's also something that I don't see much at at all in uh, in video games. Like aside from a couple games that might include developer commentaries, uh, there's not really much in the way of creator speaking to to the player, which I find kind of odd. And I was curious, kind of, to get your your take on that, because like obviously podcasts have gotten a lot more popular a lot more people seem interested in audio as a as a form um in a lot of different capacities but it hasn't really reached games the same way um and since you made this game that 
I think did it very successfully in a very, very condensed amount of time. I was curious kind of what you, what your feelings were on that. And, and if this maybe might be something you want to return to as well. Yeah. So I was like looking at this question beforehand and kind of trying to like think about what exactly I was doing versus other games because so so obviously like a lot of games are are voice acted that's a thing but it does feel different even though I would say like to some degree I am playing a character in the game of Secrets Agent and like both in the sense that like the narrator of that game is at least sort of like theoretically playing the role of some kind like your handler or whatever like and like there's this fiction of it being a you're a secret agent but then also in the sense that like I don't know I, I guess I would say it's like it's a person who's inspired by me but I don't know if I was necessarily just like being myself you know mm -hmm. uh, like 100% and so I, I was trying to think like what exactly it makes this character different than all the video games where there are like just voice acted characters. I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the fact that it was like semi-improvised. It wasn't like totally improvised. I did basically like have a script uh, or at least like ideas of what I was going to communicate in each um, like voice clip. The, I think the fact that it was like semi-improvised, I was the developer and the person speaking, and the character was like kind of like inspired by myself, like makes it feel different. And I think that the reason that it might be rare, I don't know, I'm just kind of like making stuff up, but is that like, I think like the idea of having like a voiced game feels like a little like high production from like a really sort of like scrappy micro game perspective whereas being that loose and improvisational with the voiceover feels like scrappy from like a bigger budget perspective and so it's in this kind of like middle zone kind of like intimate improvisation that I guess like a lot of people's minds maybe don't naturally gravitate towards because there's this sense of you know like when I was talking about stuff in Secrets Agent I like was able to sort of like the stuff that you talk about you kind of sometimes it will involve you implementing things and like the higher budget your game is like the more cost there is to like implement any given kind of like mechanic mm. And so by making a pretty lo-fi game, I was, like, able to, like, react to my own improv improvisation in a way that maybe, like, a, you know, like, a big-budget game would want to have everything, like, nailed down in whatever kind of cascading workflow or pipeline sort of path is necessary. But I do think that, like, you know, everyone has a phone uh, as far like, from the other perspective uh, of, like, smaller, scrappier projects. I mean, obviously not everyone has a phone. A lot of people have phones or some kind of recording devices. And so it is something I think that people could think about more. It's obvious now that you say it, but I hadn't kind of put two and two together that as even though in the game you're kind of presenting as just 
doing this improv voiceover. Clearly, it's a, a character in the context of the game and also makes sense that it wouldn't be entirely improvised. I guess what was really interesting and kind of com- like different to me is that it had, I guess, the cadence or the, the feel of kind of like what a lot of people get out of, of YouTube channels or some podcasts where even though you can tell it's not 100% the authentic person, it's so part of it is acting, part of it is improvising, some of it might be scripted, and we kind of just accept that, but there is still this feeling that you are sort of looking beyond just what the person is making and seeing part of their themselves in it as well. They like their personality becomes part of the game's character. I, I don't know if that makes any more sense, but I, I, I like what you say about how AAA games tend to like to have everything nailed down and very directed, very predictable kind of in so that they can know what's what's going to happen because there's so much at stake i think having something smaller that feels more improvisational and and sort of reactive to the player like it's just like the player and and the the narrator are just doing this little thing together and much more just about that experience i think that's kind of what stands out and yeah maybe that maybe that isn't something that could could exist in in triple a games it's it's interesting i don't know if that's purely because like AAA games the, the ideology of it doesn't allow something that sort of freeform and, and reactive in a lot of ways or if it's just resources wise it would be a lot to try and create something that was constantly having reactive dialogue and still seeming improvisational yeah i was trying to think um if there are other similar things i'm i'm i think sybil by starmade games is about so it's like semi autobiographical about the developer yeah. Nina Freeman. And um I think that game uh she like voice acts the character based on herself. And there's like another character. I'm trying to remember. It's been a little while. It does have a similar sort of feeling. And then talking about this, I also remembered something like the beginner's guide, which is almost on the other end of this of appearing to be sort of improvisational and and just someone talking to the player but is very heavily authored and very much playing a character the game that's almost like a about the response to uh the developer's previous game the stanley parable so i wonder if it's because one of them feels so much more authored and explicitly kind of confronting how it feels authentic even though it's not and whereas secrets agent is kind of the other way of it's maybe not 100 percent candid but it has that feeling it's interesting I, I don't know if any of that just made sense my i'm i'm connecting things in my head now that i hadn't before and it's yeah no i mean i it is uh, like of course the whole like concept of like authenticity is like complicated <laughs> i'm i'm sure yeah. like I I don't know I'm I don't know off the top of my head all the kind of like philosophical schools of thought on authenticity but I'm sure there there's a lot <laughs> yeah. I don't know it is it is interesting thinking about like the for the creator I haven't actually played the beginner's guide I've heard of it in in the sense like all art is theoretically like involving decisions that like people make 
and those decisions reflect on them in some sense. So it is, it's not like super cut and dry, like which way of decisions reflecting on someone is like, is one is one way completely separate because it's like true and reflects them as a human versus like are other are certain decisions like detached from them as a person and only exist for them as an artist or you know i don't know it's complicated in in uh putting this question together i 100% did not expect it to be super philosophical but now i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna have to, to lay down and have a good think about this <laughs> t later tonight try and find some answers for myself yeah. <laughs> uh it's gotten a lot deeper than i expected uh that, and i i don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time um i did want to ask out of i know you said you were taking some time off from your your big project but i am curious sort of outside of your own work how you were sort of engaging with games during all of this i know some people are looking to them as something of a distraction other people can't really focus on them so i was curious kind of how how this maybe has changed your relation to games or maybe it hasn't i don't know so i don't know i i never quite know what my relationship to games is as far as playing them like i really loved games as a kid and growing up um I feel like as an adult it's more mixed sometimes i'll get into something or sometimes i'll just like go months and months mm. without really playing any games i don't know i played um mega man 11 recently and really enjoyed that i don't know if that's like because of the oh yeah i'm not i'm not saying there has to be like a direct <laughs> i i don't i don't know if it's one of the mega man 11 and bosses is like covid man or something but that would that would be uh, a <laughs> yeah, coincidence. Yeah. yeah, I have heard good things about that. <laughs> Mega Man has always been one of the games that's just been a bit outside of my my finger ability. I guess you could say it's it's, it's been challenging. Mm -hmm. I do love watching the the games done quick runs of it though, and just aspire aspiring to to someday yeah. be able to beat one of them. Yeah, I would say. If you if you actually want to, Mega Man Eleven is where I would start because it has it has like a bunch of difficulty settings and it has like one of the core systems involves like the ability to slow down time. A lot of Mega Man games like the like bosses and enemies will have really like fast and like jumpy patterns and being able to like slow stuff down so you can kind of internalize what's happening is really cool and it like helped me. It helped me definitely feel like, like, oh, I can actually like get better at this game rather than just feeling like, oh, this part is easy or this part is hard. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I will. I will have to check that out then. Cause look, looking at videos, it looked like like another Mega Man for people who want it. Which I I, I would I would love to be able to play <laughs> Mega Man. Um, so maybe this maybe this will be my way yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, definitely on normal, it's it's like it's a hard game, but yeah. There's some options that are cool, awesome. I so I guess just kind of in, in, in closing out this, uh, this has been a lot of fun and I've got a lot to think about now. <laughs> I guess uh, if you want to shout out where, where can people uh, find your work and, uh, and or follow slash support you? So my Twitter is at even, E-V-E-N underscore K-E-I. And then most of my games are on even hyphen kei dot itchio so that's where to find me online awesome yeah. uh and and uh in, in closing out 
to always end on a positive note, I was uh, I want to have each guest kind of share one small thing that they've enjoyed recently or that has brought them joy or just otherwise been been a bit of light in all of this. I think what has been making me happy recently is the end of winter and the fact that the sun is out on more days than not and the fact that we're allowed to go outside. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just being outside in the sun. Awesome. I, I love it. I love the end of winter being being the one good thing, which I, I definitely agree. It's been so nice out here and I'm I feel very lucky that I can actually go outside and, and still be safe. So I hope other people have ways to to get outside responsibly. Thanks again so much for, for being on. This has been a lot of fun. I'm very excited to hear about your next game whenever that comes out, keeping an eye on it. And and yeah, I, I hope I hope things continue to go well for you and that this uh, this is all over quickly. Same to you. Thanks for having me on. Critical Care is produced by me, Nate Kiernan, with music by Desired. You can find Desired on Bandcamp at desired.bandcamp.com. I'm on Twitter at Nate Kiernan, and you can keep up with everything critical related at critical.com. If you like the show, maybe share it with a loved one, and if you're able, consider supporting the work of my wonderful guests. Until next time, stay safe, stay home, and remember this is not game over. We're still fighting, and we're going to get through this.